0: chapter 38 of the creators a comedy by may sinclair this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter 38 they had preserved as by a compact a perpetual silence on the subject of owen prothero but always after seeing laura nina had forced herself to write to him that he might know she had been true to her trust tonight she wrote i've done all i can for you or if you like for laura she's at the breaking point if you think there's anything you can do for her yourself you'd better do it and lose no time she wrote brutally for mixed with her jealousy there was a savage anger with owen as the cause of laura's suffering she hated the kitty but she couldn't bear to see her suffer there were two days yet before the mail went but she posted her letter at once while her nerve held out the thing done she sat up till midnight brooding over it it had taken all her nerve for she did not want prothero to come back and that letter would bring him bodily separation from owen had not killed her it had become the very condition of her life for there was a soul of soundness in her her blood so vehement in its course had the saving impetus of recoil she dreaded its dominion as the whipped slave dreads the lash latterly she had detached herself even spiritually from owen she remembered what she had been before without him and what without him she had possessed her genius was a thing utterly removed from her a thing that belonged to owen rather than to her since he had said it was his youth she thought of it tenderly as of a thing done for and departed for it was so that she had come to think of owen's youth she was not like jane she felt no hatred of it and no jealousy it had not given her cause. It had not stood in her way. It had not struggled in her against her passion. If it had, she knew that she would have swept it aside and crushed it. It had lain always at the mercy of her passions. She had given it to her passions to destroy, foreseeing the destruction. But now she relented. She felt that she would save it if she could. It was in her hour of sanity and insight that she had said virginity was the law, the indispensable condition virginity she had always seen it not as a fragile frustrate thing but as a joyous triumphing energy the cold wild sister of mountain winds and leaping waters subservient only to her genius guarding the flame in its secret unsurrendered heart her genius was the genius of wild earth an immortal of divinely pitiful virgin heart and healing hand clear-eyed swift-footed a huntress of the woods and the mountains a runner in the earth's green depths and the secret enchanted ways to follow it was to know joy and deliverance and peace it was the one thing that had not betrayed her there had been moments lately when she had had almost the assurance of its ultimate return when she had felt the stirring of the old impulse the immortal instinct when she longed for the rushing of her rivers and the race of the wind on her mountains of the marshes it would come back her power if she were there in the place where it was born if she could get away from streets and houses and people if she got away from laura but laura was the one thing she could not get away from she had to be faithful to her trust it would be seven weeks at the least before owen could come back her letter would take three weeks to reach him and he would have to make arrangements she wondered whether the kitty could hold out so long all night she was tormented by this fear of the kiddies not holding out of her just missing it of every week being one more nail hammered as she had once said into the kiddies little coffin and it was with a poignant premonition that she received a message from addie ranger in the morning miss ranger was downstairs she had something to say to miss lemfriere she must see her she couldn't come up she hadn't a minute addie stood outside on the doorstep she was always in a violent hurry when on her way to Fleet Street, the scene for the time being of her job. But this morning her face showed signs of a profounder agitation. She made a rush at Nina. Oh, Miss Lempriere, will you go to Laura? Is she ill? No, he is. He's dying. He's in a fit. I think it's killing her. The blinds were down when Nina reached the house in Camden Town. The fit it was apoplexy mrs baxter informed her had not been long it had come on mercifully in his sleep mercifully mrs baxter leant on it but miss lempriere had better go up at once to miss gunning nina went without a word the bed had been drawn into the middle of the small back room the body of the old man lay on it covered with a sheet his head was tilted a little showing the prone arch of the peaked nose the jaw was bound with a handkerchief already the features were as they had been in the days before disease had touched them death had constrained them to their primal sanity death dominated them like a living soul the deathbed and its burden filled the room in the narrow space between it and the wall little laura went to and fro to and fro looking for a pair of white socks that were not there and never had been she must find she was saying a pair of white socks of clean white socks they had told her that they were necessary End of chapter thirty eight recording by expatriate in Bangor, Maine.